the armour of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Well, thanks, Carol. And this morning we come to our penultimate week in Ephesians. And today we want to think about something called the armour of God. Right throughout this letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul has been exhorting this community of God's people to live for Jesus in the city in which he has placed them. And he's reminded them of all that they have received in Jesus, of the multitude of spiritual blessings that they are recipients of. And now as we come to the end of the letter, he reminds them of one more gift that they've been given. A gift that they can use daily in a world that's hostile to the gospel and the name of Jesus. And that gift is the armour of God. I was listening to the news this week and there was a, a segment on climate change. Uh, and there was a clip of Prince Charles speaking. Perhaps you saw it yourself. And he was encouraging people, given the unprecedented challenges around climate change, uh, that people needed to adopt a warlike footing in order to tackle it, that our response to climate change should be akin to a military campaign in order to save the environment. And that is kind of the picture for us today as a church, not in terms of climate change, though obviously as Christians we should be concerned about that, but in terms of adopting a warlike footing in a spiritual battle for the soul of our nation and the world. We look around the world, don't we? And we see the distress that the world is in. And we see the despair and destruction around the world. We see a world that is marred in sin. But we as the church have a good news message of hope. And our call this morning is to be the church that the world needs us to be at this time. And we're to do it as we stand in the power of God. And so Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know, I've had the opportunity to experience firsthand what it looks like to be in a, a war zone from a humanitarian perspective. I've spent time in villages and towns that have been destroyed by war. I've seen blown out tanks by the side of the road. I've seen the tension around military checkpoints and even seen child soldiers sadly standing at the side of the road holding machine guns ready for war. And in order to step into a war zone in any capacity, you need to be prepared and equipped. And that is the imagery that Paul deploys this morning for the church. And it's the sense that we are being sent out onto a battlefield. And if we're going to be sent out onto a battlefield, the least we can do is have the correct equipment. To have the correct protection in order to aid us in the fight and to increase our chances of survival. A knight heading out onto a battlefield without his armour, without his sword, without his shield. Well, that would just be foolish. A modern soldier heading out onto the battlefield without his gun and protective equipment would be unthinkable. And yet Paul says that you and I as Christians are engaged daily in a battle. So why do so many of us head out daily into the world without ever putting on the armour of God? When was the last time that you spiritually prepared yourself for battle? Did you even realise that you are in a battle? That your spiritual life is in danger? Here is this church in Ephesus. And Paul knows that if they are to embody everything that he's taught them in this letter, that it will bring opposition. You see, the enemy hates a strong church. He fears a strong church. He is afraid when the people of God stand in the power and name of Jesus. And so he wants to bring ruin to our spiritual lives. He wants to bring ruin to the church. He will do everything he can to disable us and to stop us in our tracks. We have something that he does not. We have Jesus. And that is why Paul commands us firstly to be strong in who? In the Lord and in his mighty power. We do not stand in our own power this morning. We do not wage spiritual warfare in our own power and might. It is all done in the power of God. That is a lesson that God has been teaching his people right throughout the books of Scripture. Reminding them of who he is, that the battle is not theirs, but his. Their job is only to be obedient, to be faithful, to do what he commands, and then to watch and wait for the victory. Paul says specifically to us this morning, put on the armour of God. It's a choice that we need to make. We need to prepare for what is going to come against us. We need to choose daily to put on the armour of God in order to protect us. You see, the armour of God is a, a gift to us. It helps us to take our stance against the enemy. We need to be intentional. We need to recognise the danger. We need to prepare and we need to put it on to protect ourselves. And who is our enemy? 
Well, let me say this clearly. It is not flesh and blood. It is not the world around us. Christians need to seek forgiveness for the times that we have made this a physical crusade where soldiers have gone physically in the name of Jesus. No, we are a spiritual army. Our enemy is the devil and the principalities and powers in this world under its control. And our mission is to free people in bondage. John 10.10 10 reminds us the thief only comes to steal, and kill and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. You see there are two opposite powers at work in our world. When the devil comes to seek to steal, to kill, to destroy all that is good in our world, all that is a gift from God, all that is a blessing and brings joy and love and fulfillment. We know that from the beginning of creation, he has been at work sowing the seeds of doubt, dissension and division and destruction. And under his influence in the garden, sin enters the world. And all that is good and all that is a gift from God begins to be marred. But there is another story. Story of our great creator and saviour and redeemer. A story of the Lord Jesus Christ who wants the best for each one of us. And his gifts are good. His gifts are perfect. He wants us to enjoy life and life to the full. And he is at work in our world in power. To restore and reclaim all that the devil seeks to rob us of. Every time we feel robbed of joy. Robbed of peace. Robbed of that fellowship with God and one another. Every time we weep. Every time we mourn over our world. Every time we grieve over the loss of life. We need to remind ourselves that this is not God's intention for us and for our world. It is the work of Satan. And so we stand in the name of Jesus and we fight for something better in our world. For salvation, for healing, for restoration. And that is why we go in the name of Jesus and in the power of God to act in faith. To pray, to worship, to declare the life-giving message of the gospel and to engage in discipleship and evangelism and world mission. This is the calling of God to the church, to be salt and light in our world, to preach the gospel to the poor, to see the brokenhearted healed, to see captives set free, to see recovery of sight for the blind and to proclaim that now, today, is the time of favour of God. And this is the day of rejoicing and salvation. That is our mission as a church. So Paul says in verse 13, Therefore put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand you know, some of us want to avoid the battle. We're told lies by the devil. Sometimes he tricks us into thinking the mission of the church is not important. That there are more important priorities in our lives. 
tells us to look after ourselves first and then maybe you can give what is left over to Jesus. Or he tells you this morning you're not really needed. Other people will do it. Or he makes us doubt whether there is really a battle going on at all. Friends, we know there's a battle. We know it is fierce. And if we don't recognise it and stand our ground in the power of God, quietly and subtly the enemy will infiltrate our ranks. And one by one he will seek to pick us off, to distract us with the things of the world, jobs, careers, family. He will make our lives busy. He will have us hurrying here, there and everywhere so we don't have time for God. Or he sows division amongst us and makes us disillusioned with our faith and with God. <coughs> but know this. When you are standing on a battlefield with the enemy coming against you at full force, there is no time for distraction. There is no time for division. There is no greater priority than the battle in hand. And if we as Christians were to realise what is fully at stake in our world, to fully realise that there is a battle raging, and to realise the mission of the church in that, I tell you, there would be a new power amongst us. There would be a new unity amongst us like never before. Our world is in chaos. We need to only realise that as we worship at home this morning, there are many things happening in our world that need the church to stand up and to intercede in. And the enemy may think he has won by closing our buildings, but this is the very moment in history that God is going to use as an opportunity for us as a church to rediscover our identity, not as an organisation built on religious activity, but as a spiritual army of God scattered throughout our city and nation, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to love our neighbours, to intercede over the communities in which we live, to bring that gospel of good news and hope at a time of despair. And so Paul says, this is the mission of the church. This is your calling. But then he tells us, that God has equipped us to stand on this battlefield. How can we do it in our own strength? We cannot, but God gives us his very own army. And so verse 14 begins, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Note this theme of standing right throughout the verses. God wants us to engage in the battle and not be defeated, but to stand, to continue standing, standing firm. And speaks about this belt. A soldier would have that. It would be used in order to lift up his tunic. In order to ease movement. It would be used in order to hold his sword and his weapons in place. This is what it was spoken of. By girding your loins. It gave a soldier a sense of strength. And confidence and readiness. Readiness for battle. Paul says begin Begin by having this belt of truth around your waist. As Christians we need to know truth and we need to practice truth. 
William Gurnall uh, wrote these words. Some by truth mean a truth of doctrine. Others will have it a truth of heart sincerity. Those that think best comprise both. You cannot have one without another. Right from the start, the devil has been trying to turn people away from the truth of God. We see that in the garden. As the devil comes to Eve and says, did God really say that? As he begins to twist truth in the words of God. And that is happening right across our world. But we know as God's people that the truth sets people free. It has set us free. And it has the power to set a weary world free. A world that is captive to sin. And so as we engage in spiritual warfare in a world where truth is being eroded, we need to be the people of truth. We need to speak truth into the lives of others. We need to walk in truth for there is freedom in truth. Secondly, we are to stand firm again with the breastplate of righteousness in place. One of the schemes of the devil to disable God's people is to tell us that we are not worthy. To tell us and remind us of the sins that we are committing. To tell us that we are not righteous. But here is a reminder from Paul that we stand in a righteousness that is not our own. The devil will attack you. He will tell you that you are not worthy to be associated with Jesus. But we need to remind the devil back that we stand before God, not clothed in our own righteousness, but in his wonderful thing about the gospel message is that you and I have worth this morning in Christ that the father sent his son into the world to die on a cross for you and I in order to buy us back in order to rescue us from sin and Christ lives within us and we should marvel at that this morning and you should marvel this morning and how worthy that you are in his sight, that he would let his one and only son die in your place. And this morning we are clothed in a righteousness that is not our own. And if the devil tells you that you are not worthy, remind yourself that as the Father looks at your life, he sees Jesus. And we should rejoice in that truth this morning. And so we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. And we are to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers, uh, their battle shoes were open-toed. They were made of leather, which were light. And they equipped the soldier to go on long marches. And they were also studded with nails or spikes to help them to keep their balance in combat so that they would not lose their footing during battle. Paul uses these boots as a picture of the gospel of peace that we have received. And he reminds us of our responsibility to take that at speed to others as we engage in the battle. As Christians, we know the peace of God. 
We are to be ambassadors of peace, calling others to be reconciled to God. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And we are to be ready to go and to tell others about Jesus. We are to live out the good news and we are to share it with others. You know, the devil preys on those who are idle for the kingdom. But I've found in my own personal walk that when I am focused on serving Jesus and making him known, then there is this new spiritual strength and protection that comes from that. And we live in a COVID time of opportunity. People are searching for peace, peace with God, peace in their souls, peace in their circumstances. And we need to be wearing down the soles of our shoes, taking that message of peace to others. And as we go, fourthly, we go in faith. We are to take up the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Roman shield of the time was called a scutum. This type of shield was as large as a door and would cover the warrior entirely. And when fighting as a group, soldiers could position their shields so as to form an enclosure around themselves as they stood back to back and had shields over the top. It was called a, a testudo. It was a movement. And testudo means tortoise and they protected themselves completely against the arrows of the enemy and often those arrows were fiery and so the shields would be made of wood and then covered in a hide which was then wet and could be used to extinguish the flaming arrows and protect the soldiers so a shield was a vital means of defense and we are called as christians to take up the shield of faith See, the devil would have us doubt God this morning. The devil would have us not take risks for Jesus. The devil would have us not step out, unsure of where we are going. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. Isn't that an apt word for this time? We're called to be people of faith. We don't know everything. Everything, in fact, is very uncertain. We don't know what is ahead of us. But we are called to go. We're called to have faith in Jesus, to put our trust in him, to let him lead us, assured that his presence is enough some of us like to be in control sometimes that need to be in control can be used by the devil to paralyze us as as a result we never move we never go we never take a risk we never do what god is calling us to do because we're waiting for everything to be known first perhaps for us as a church and for us personally we need to become more like Abraham. We need to step out in faith and say to God, I'm not in control, but you are. Help me to trust you. Lead me to the places you want me to go. 
Lead me to the people that you want me to share your good news with. Help me to be happy just to trust you, to follow you, to speak when you ask me to speak, to reach out in love as you ask me to reach out in love. Lead me to the people and places you want me to go and use me. And all of us, all of us can be used. That includes you this morning. You don't need a degree in theology to be used by God. That is a lie of the devil. You just need faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed and a willingness to take a step of faith and follow God. Well, fifthly, and we are nearly done now, we are given the helmet of salvation. When a soldier suited up for battle, the helmet was the last piece of armour to go on. It was the final act of readiness in preparation for combat. A helmet was vital for survival, protecting the brain, the command station of the rest of the body. The head was badly damaged. The rest of the armour would be of little use. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 says, Let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate. And the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians this morning, our salvation should bring us great hope. The hope of salvation is a powerful thing in our lives. It is something that the devil would seek to rob us of. But if you have put your trust in Jesus, if you have repented and believed, you can never lose that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And hope helps us in the fight. You know there are many times where that hope of eternity has helped people over the years. Generations that have faced struggle and conflict. And they are reminded of that eternal hope. And in the bleakest of circumstances, they have remained standing because they had that hope. And most importantly, it was an eternal hope. That idea that this world is not my home. But I'm just passing through. But while I am here, I am going to serve God to my fullest. Awaiting that moment. When I get to step into something greater that awaits me. That is something that should motivate us this morning. And as we have that hope and that assurance of eternity, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, that also should motivate us to share that good news message of salvation with others. And so salvation... Then this morning as we end, there is one more thing that we are given. And that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, our Roman sword was sharpened on both sides. Hence the reference to the Word of God being sharper than a two-edged sword. And the interesting thing about the sword is that it wasn't just used to defend, 
but also to attack. And the word of God is powerful. It is living and active. And as we read it and as we memorize it and as we take it to heart, so it confronts the lies of the devil. And the truth of God's word reminds us of the promises of God. It reminds us of the plans of God for us as a church. It reminds us of the character of God and of God's faithfulness. And it reminds us that there is a power in the name of Jesus. God is at work. One of the greatest tools that we have is the word of God. It will remind us in the battle of the victory that Jesus has already won. And that one day the devil will be cast out when Jesus comes again. What an encouragement. And so we read the word, we memorize the word, we take it to heart, we live out the world. And this word has power for us. And finally, verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. As we end this morning, exhortation. Be alert and to pray for one another. It's a reminder that we don't step into this battle alone. We are to cover one another's backs in prayer. We are to intercede for one another. We are to pray that each of us would be spiritually strong. Because when we are all individually strong, then there will be a corporate strength amongst us as you step into this week for each of the next seven days that are ahead think of one person in the church each day pray for them pray the armour of God over them and then if you have an opportunity to why not text them email them get in touch with them and just encourage them that I've prayed for you today. And perhaps that can be a habit that we will pick up as a church. Just praying over one another, supporting one another, standing with one another, being alert together, watching over one another. God has a work for us to do. We want to say to the devil this morning, we are tired and fed up of your schemes. We are tired and fed up of seeing people robbed of joy, robbed of love, robbed of peace. We are tired and fed up of the destruction that you are reaping in our nation, of hopelessness and despair. And we want to say no, no to a broken society, no to addiction, no to poverty, no to suicide. We want to declare that we want more, more of Jesus, more of his life-giving power. And our prayer is that we as a church would arise in the power of God and that we would fight so that people might know life and life to the full.